Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. Even if you are not a gardener, you will love this show because it is about serenity. And even if you have to pay someone to plant, you're going to want to go after this. Like, I have no green thumb, but boy, can I use some serenity. So I may just have to hire someone because it would be worth it. You know, today's race car pace leaves us all feeling like an empty bag on certain days. And according to Jan Johnson, a serenity garden may provide the perfect refill we need. Jan is a principal of the award-winning Johnson Landscapes in New York and is an admired garden designer and author. She was the 2019 recipient of the prestigious Award of Distinction from the Association of Professional Landscape Designers. Jan taught at Columbia University for many years and still teaches at the New York Botanical Gardens, where she was again named, another award, Instructor of the Year. She is the author of several books, and you might recognize some of these. They include Floratopia, Gardentopia, Heaven is a Garden, doesn't that sound good? And the book, The Spirit of the Stone, that one sounds intriguing. Jan has worked in Japan, Hawaii, and Kenya, just to name a few places. She is an inspiring and very popular speaker, and she is taking time to speak with us today, so that's great. Oh, and guess what? She has a free book opportunity for our listeners, which she will explain at the end of the show. Welcome, Jan. Oh, hello there. I'm so excited to have you, but let's start with in general. You know, Jan, we all need to refresh from time to time, but this COVID thing, I mean, it has resulted in so many of us being depleted in some area or another, be it mentally, physically, emotionally, and how can serenity maybe be the ticket out of that? Well, um, you know, it is an odd situation where here we are with COVID lockdowns, maybe no more lockdowns now, but when we were kind of all penned in and all, we needed to create serenity more than ever. Um, and so it's been a passion of mine to create outdoor spaces that are relaxing and, and calming, but now more than ever, just because of our situation. And so I, uh, I feel that, um, if we pay attention to our surroundings and do some little changes, we could make an outdoor balcony, a, a small terrace, a backyard. We can add serenity to any of those. So let's talk about that. What are some easy ways for people to add some serenity to the backyard? You know how, like, especially with COVID, you know, we look outside and we say, oh, my goodness, here, here's my little backyard or whatever it might be. I've neglected it. How can I make that more useful for me since I can't go off on vacation or whatever? And so one of the things that I tell people to do is create a cozy sitting area outside 
just kind of like a, a nice little nestled corner that's sheltered at least on two sides by bushes or hedges or a fence or maybe the wall of a building and make that a little kind of sanctuary that is somewhat enclosed, but not totally enclosed. I call it the lure of the sheltered corner. That's a good point. Everybody likes that. And I don't really know the psychology behind it, but I know there's something there because we kind of like to be cozied in. I don't know, maybe it's a safety thing being surrounded on certain sides, but that sounds good already. So, Well, you know, I liken it to like when we walk into a restaurant, we kind of survey the restaurant and what are we looking for? Are we looking for that table in the corner or, or somewhere where our backs are protected, but we have a view out to the front. And the same thing works outdoors, no matter how, how big or small the space is. So something I think folks may not think about, but it's very important, is the colors that you add to your garden that are calming oh, yeah. and soothing. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, especially with, you know, outside in, in, a, in your yard or a garden, whatever you might have, you, you can be a little bit freer than, say, when you're inside. Like inside, oh, what? color do I paint my walls everybody gets a little bit nervous about that kind of those kind of decisions but when you're outside you can have fun I mean what's the worst that can happen you don't like that color flower whatever and so um I I tell people just have fun with color when you're when you're working outdoors but if we're talking about creating more serenity then there are certain colors that are are more effective than others and for example everyone loves the idea of the blue garden okay and is there any other color that might work well oh sure sure um along with blue okay and the thing i would like to mention about blue it is the most popular color in the world for flowers uh nursery catalogs have more blue shrubs and flowers for sale than any other color because they have found that's what their demand is for. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. I would have thought maybe white would be more uh, a color in a garden or even like yellow or red because of roses. So that is very interesting. I know. But if you look, it's like the blue hydrangeas have like taken over mm. the uh, the world right now. But also um, uh, purple is the close second to blue right now. So um, you've got the blue salvia flowers, or you have the blue-purple uh, geranium roseanne, or, of course, there's a blue rose of Sharon. I mean, there's a, a, a lot of blue plants and shrubs we can add. And, of course, what you just said, Mary, white, because white is the perennial favorite color outdoors. The white garden, you know, with white roses and white shasta daisies and white azaleas. I mean, you can't go wrong with a, a white garden. So why is an outdoor space filled with plants important? Listen, they have done studies, and and many, many studies, but one is well-known in particular. They found that when people were in their hospital rooms and they had a window outside, the people with the view of green and trees actually healed faster than the people who didn't have the view of, of the green outdoors. Again, interesting. Is, Very interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. And there's several of those studies. It's not just one. They consistently find that we respond 
positively and we and we calm down, our blood pressure goes down, we're just more relaxed when we are either have a view of green trees or literally are in the midst of green plants, either one. But even the view alone, which is remarkable to me. And you know, in Japan now, they actually have a practice that the doctors recommend called forest therapy. And they and they tell people that they should go out to certain um, forested areas and take walks for their well-being because they've done the studies. So, you know, we just all relax a little more when we're in the presence of the green world. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for adding more gardens and garden areas in, in our life. So that sounds all like, you know, proof in the pudding. We have research here, folks, that this does make a difference. And, I, and don't you feel it, right? I right. Mean, you can feel it yourself. When it's you, true. When you walk into a park or something, you just automatically feel the stress just kind of drop right off of you, you know, and you start breathing slower. It's just it's just a, a better way to live, frankly. Yes, it is. And, and, and let's talk a little bit because we can add things to this serenity map other than just the plants and the flowers, what kind of garden feature would you recommend for adding serenity? Oh, well, isn't isn't that the fun part? Let's say you have <laughs> a little, let's just say you have a little terrace. Let's say you live in a townhouse, a condo, or whatever you might have, and you have a little terrace. Well, sure, put planters and pots full of flowers and, and shrubs around, but then what other things can you do just to kind of create a more soothing atmosphere and the first thing I always say is the sound of water mm. we all love the like the trickling little fountains mm-hmm. you know that um that just kind of add a little sparkle um to the light and and also of course the sound and so that's easy to do you could just literally buy one of these small recirculating fountains recirculating means the water just goes around and around so you don't have any piping or anything to worry about you just plug it right in and um that sounds like my cup of tea (laughs) that sounds like me plug it in and be done plug it in and then and um and then you're sitting there with your morning coffee and you hear you hear that little kind of trickling fountain Mm. going um it it just it just adds a little special zing to, to your to your life actually and you know it's instantly calming, right? right. I mean, it's just like ah. Mm-hmm. And it and the other cool idea for for adding water is a lot of people are bird lovers and they might have a small uh, bird bird bath or whatever. Well, now they sell these solar powered little tiny fountains that you place inside the bird bath, floating in the bird bath, and it, you don't have to plug it in or anything. And the um, the sun powers the battery. And the water just uh, bubbles up, which the birds love. And I know what you're saying about the sound of water because, of course, you can't put an ocean in your garden, but people will go sit on the shore of the ocean and just sit there and listen to the water and the waves. So it definitely has some calming and uh, just an it gives you like an experience. So I I like that. Now, something else I like is shade. (laughs) What about, you know, the role of shade in a garden? Oh, you know, it's so funny because uh, people don't really consider, when we talk about gardens, we talk about color and we talk about water, but people don't usually talk about the quality of the light in the garden. 
but they actually, again, I, I keep referring to studies, but I find this so interesting. They did a study of what was the light conditions that we prefer the most, and the light conditions that more people prefer the most is what they call dappled shade. And what that is is um, not not heavy shade, but a very light shade, so that um, if you're under a tree that has very big leaves and it casts very dense shade, that we don't enjoy that as much. That's a little too dank. But what we like is like sitting under a tree with small leaves, or like a birch tree, or a um, or a tree tree with smaller leaves, or maybe you've taken off the lower limbs so that the branches are up on high and it just, or honey locust, and, and it just casts a little bit of dappled shade just to keep us a little bit uh, cooled off. And the, and, uh, and the other interesting thing about light, Mary, is that, again, another study, they found that we like to sit in the shade, but we like to look out onto a sunny space. Mm. Isn't that funny? That so, is interesting. Yeah, so I guess the point is, if we're talking about your outdoor space, try to have areas that are both sunny and shady, and enjoy both. Right. Now, we're talking a lot about a garden, and that works, you know, a good deal of the year, but not all year. So what about winter? What are some options for serenity during the times you're not going to be out in a garden? What do you do, Jan? Oh, I know. Well... First of all, winter natural well, it depends on where you live, right? Of course, when I say winter, I live in the Northeast. So when I say winter, I think of snow, right? That's mm-hmm. what I think of. And so when I think of, of, of a snowy winter, that alone can be very calming, just, just to be in the quiet. It's the most quiet time of the year. But um, let's say the snow melts and it gets kind of dreary. You know, it's just cold and wet and not very enticing right it's not the winter wonderland that um, yeah we all dream of and 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 when when it gets that way what i kind of say is that make sure that you plant trees that have winter interest because there are i mean first of all of course the evergreens that that um we overlook in the summer but in the winter time it's the evergreens that steal the show and i have this like unique uh uh, red pine in my my small backyard. It's called thundercloud. It's a small evergreen, but it has a unique shape to it. Um, that's why they call it thundercloud. It looks kind of cloud-like when it grows. Hmm. So I said, get some interesting evergreens. There's another one called dragon's eye pine that has green and yellow leaves. They're hmm. variegated leaves on a pine tree. Hmm. Doesn't have to be big. Could be very small. And Japanese umbrella pine is a third option. And lastly, um, you know, we can plant shrubs that have berries on them or, or trees even. Like, say, for example, there's certain crab apples that will hold on to their little apples that look like kind of like big berries, and they'll hold on to them during the whole winter, and it's only at the end of winter that the birds can eat them because they, they were so tough, but they get soft throughout the season. So you enjoy the show for the whole winter, and then the birds get to eat them at the end of winter. So buried shrubs and and um, evergreens with some great interest. And and lastly, um, don't forget like uh, Japanese maple trees have a beautiful winter framework to them. So that's another great 
addition for a winter landscape. You have some amazing ideas, and I appreciate your knowledge. And I just oh. wonder when we're talking about all this. So this all sounds really good, but what if you're on a budget? What's some quick tips for gardening on a budget? You know, people always ask me that because they think that when, when I'm talking, oh, this is going to cost me so much money. And, and I, then I say, no, you, you don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, so for example, what I always tell people, and this is true now with social media, is that there are a lot of people there, wonderful garden people that like to give, um, plants away. You know, they may have a whole patch of daylilies, flowering daylilies, and that, are at the height right now in the summer, and then they'll just divide them up, in, especially in in the springtime, and and they'll say free plants to share. I I'm part of several garden groups on Facebook, and these garden groups are just fabulous because it's all people sharing their knowledge and their love of plants. And somebody will say, Hey, you know, I I've got some plants here I don't need anymore. You want to come pick them up? And so I find that everybody's doing that more and more is just, you know, sharing their transplants from their garden. So that's one way to get free plants, you know, mm-hmm. sharing is caring. That's right. Um, another, another thing to do, and, and I actually do this myself, is there's certain plants that come back every year and are spectacular, but they're quite expensive. So I'll give you an example. There is a, a bulb. You know how we plant like tulips and daffodils mm-hmm. in the fall, the mm-hmm. bulbs, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there is a plant called um, decorative onion, believe it or not, or ornamental onion, I should say. Allium is their Latin name. And these flowering alliums are gorgeous in the spring. They they have these big like lollipop, kind of purple lollipop look to them. And so they're not that cheap. They're like Five to eight dollars a bulb, oh. but they come back every year and they're gear resistant and they get no maintenance and they look great. So what you do, okay, you buy two of them this year, you buy two more the next year, buy two after that, and after a few years, now you've got like you know twenty of them, mm-hmm. and boy, what a show do they have! Mm-hmm. So that's a, a kind of a slow going, beautiful garden that you can do. And then lastly, my last suggestion for for gardening on a budget is to get some inexpensive plastic pots and pot up something that you got at the uh, supermarket or something, place it on a rock inside an established plant bed that you might already have. I do this right by my front door. And so that you don't see the plastic pot because all the the, uh, foliage hides that but you do see the flowers. So all of a sudden you're walking and then there's this little pop of pink or whatever you might have just coming out of the plant bed. You have the same old plant bed, but you've added a real kind of a real zing to the plant bed. All this information is so valuable. And I know some of our listeners are going to want to contact you for, for more information or if they have questions, et cetera, or to purchase one of your books if you can give some contact information, and I also understand you're very generous, you also have a free book opportunity for our audience. So could you give us some information? Yeah, I'd be happy to share a signed copy of one of my books with your audience, Mary. Um, I, I post every day on 
Facebook for the Facebook followers out there. And the name of my page on Facebook, it's kind of long, is Serenity in the Garden Blog. That's the name of my Facebook page, Serenity in the Garden Blog. And I am more than happy to share a book with anyone who goes to my Facebook page. And in the comments or the, in the message, just write 411. And I will um, pick one from at random and send them a book. Fabulous. And is that where they should go to connect with you for for other things than the uh, free book opportunity? Yeah. And you know, I didn't even mention the name of the book. So the name of my book is, I have several, but one is called Gardentopia and one is called Floratopia. So um, I have others beyond that, but those are the two uh, most recent, Gardentopia and Floratopia. And yes, I'm also on Instagram, and that is at Johnson Design, J-O-H-N-S-E-N Design, all one word, at Johnson Design. And, um, and then I have a blog, and I like to reach out to people, obviously. My <laughs> blog is also called Serenity in the Garden. Okay, so plenty of ways to make contact for more valuable information and help from Jan. And I want to point out, in case you didn't catch it, that's S-C-N at the end of Johnson, not S-O-N. So thank that's you. That's right, Johnson. Yep, right. Thanks. Okay. So thank you so much for, for being here with us and adding some serenity to our lives. Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me, Mary. This has been great. Hey, now let's talk about Carrie's 150th Anniversary Spotlight. We've been doing a series on this, um, and, I, and this is a little bit early, but I wanted to forewarn you, um, coming up in September and October, to celebrate Carrie's 150th birthday, you will be able to learn about its history via the Carrie Players and the Town of Carrie's Carrie the Stories. And this original play, written by Dr. Catherine Laughlin, a new family moves to Cary and stops in at Ashworth's Drugs for their famous hot dogs. And if you're from here, you know they're pretty famous. As Mr. Ashworth takes them through several centuries of life in Cary, the family discovers they share the same names as Cary's founding family, which of course is Frank and Catherine Page. The show highlights stories of Carrie's people and places across the centuries as the town gradually moved from being the place in between to the place to be. I don't know who came up with that tagline, but I like that. The place in between to the place to be. For more info, go to Carrie150.org. Carrie150.org. We're going to go right into now our nonprofit spotlight. The mission of the Foundation of Hope, according to their website, is to conquer mental illness by investing in groundbreaking scientific research and mental health initiatives. Through their partnership with the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's Department of Psychiatry, the foundation funds critical research focused on understanding the root causes of, and potential treatments for mental illness. They are committed to raising awareness and supporting effective treatment programs. 
the Foundation of Hope will host their Igniting Hope fundraiser at the Pavilion at the Angus Barn on October 22nd at 6 p.m. To find info, go to walkforhope.com. Walkforhope.com. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. You can hear us on any podcast platform or at our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com to journey with a storm chaser, take the wheel at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, or crack the bat at the Durham Bulls game. Please be sure to subscribe and like us. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 practice gratitude.